0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. My guest today is Austin Woodward, the co-founder and CEO of Taxbit, a cryptocurrency tax calculation and withholding service that serves investors, exchanges, and payment services. In this episode, we talked about the current complexities in crypto tax treatment, what the most common mistakes people make are. The basic information every crypto investor needs to know, what it is like building a company outside Silicon Valley, the current fundraising environment in crypto, and how Taxbit plans to take the industry by storm. This was an awesome episode, and I highly recommend listening. Before we get started, though, I want to also cover the three advertisers that made this episode possible. The first is BlockFi. You guys know how much I love the company. We invested. We invested. If Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have any chance of ever becoming the next global reserve currency, we're going to need a lot of infrastructure and wealth management services built. It's exactly what BlockFi is doing. As many of you know, I'm such a big fan, we invested, and I'm also a user. Today, they offer three products. The first is giving U.S. dollar loans against your crypto as collateral. The second is an interest-bearing account for your crypto deposits. And the third is allowing you to buy or trade cryptocurrencies. These three products are important in helping people do more with their Bitcoin, Ethereum, GUSD, etc. If you don't want to sell your crypto, but you need U.S. dollar liquidity, BlockFi can give you a loan. Or maybe you're a long-term holder like me, but you want to earn some interest on your assets. Obviously, rates vary, but right now BlockFi is paying 6.2% APY on Bitcoin and 8.6% APY on GUSD deposits. Unheard of interest rates in the legacy fiat world. Crypto. As if these three products weren't enough, BlockFi also recently told their users they're coming out with a credit card in 2020 that pays rewards in Bitcoin rather than cashback or loyalty points. Bitcoin rewards credit card not only sounds dope, but should help more people earn Bitcoin for their everyday purchases too. They've been a longtime supporter of Off Chain podcast. I'm a huge fan, so go to blockfi.com/pomp. That's blockfi.com/pomp and check them out. There may even be some cool discounts and surprises if you go to blockfi.com/pomp. Wink, wink. Now, the next advertiser is a new one, Unstoppable Domains. These guys are doing some awesome stuff. One of my biggest pet peeves in all of crypto is the fact that we've got to send these hex addresses. That's a long string of letters and numbers randomly, super hard to remember. You always kind of have your heart thumping when you go to send uh, Bitcoin to somebody and you get real nervous because you're going to make a mistake. Now, you can basically use a human-readable domain. I've got Pomp.Crypto, and I can use it to get paid. It's a huge improvement for sending Bitcoin, and everyone and every wallet should use it. You can already go to Trust Wallet, Atomic Wallet, and Coinomi right now. Type a .crypto domain into the send field and pay somebody. That's right. No more of those really bad domains. You can now use something that makes sense. In order to onboard the next billion people, we can't be talking about hex addresses anymore. Bitcoin's just too hard to send using those addresses. Everyone uses domain names in the traditional world. It's a system that you already understand on the internet. Go to UnstoppableDomains.com right now, get a .crypto domain, and stop sending out long hex addresses. That's right. Let's make real domains great again. Every time you want to send someone money, use an Unstoppable Domain. Go to UnstoppableDomains.com. And lastly, eToro. You guys know these guys are crushing it. They've been a longtime sponsor of the podcast. It's probably the most underrated company in all of crypto. They got started in Israel and quickly built a massive business offering stocks, commodities, traditional currencies, and cryptocurrencies to users around the world outside the U.S. Then last year, they made the leap across the pond and finally launched in the U.S., starting with cryptocurrency trading. It's not just any crypto exchange. They've got these two concepts that they pioneered. The first is social trading. The second is copy trading. Social trading essentially lets you go to any asset, Uh, has a specific page. You can look through the comments. People are constantly posting information, charts, graphs, what they're doing, a bunch of information there to help you better understand what the asset is, where people think it's going, and you can actually trade right from that page as well. Social trading. It's like a social network combined with trading. And you got copy trading. If you find somebody on the platform you really like, you think they're a good investor, they've got great returns, whatever it is, you can click the copy trade button and all of a sudden, eToro will now mirror your portfolio to that person's. So if that person buys a certain asset with 2% of their portfolio, your portfolio buys 2% of that asset. If they sell the asset, your portfolio sells it as well. So eToro basically makes it super easy for you to copy whatever traders you find interesting um, or valuable. And so it's pretty cool to see a crypto exchange that has social trading and copy trading all in one location. eToro is now up and running in the U.S. and continues to grow at an incredible rate. As you guys know, big secret, eToro is larger than Robinhood. Just don't tell anyone. So go head over to eToro.com, sign up for an account. Let me know what you think about social trading and copy trading. And when you hit eToro.com, let them know Pomp sent you. The customer service tickets, social media mentions, they're stacking up. So go to eToro.com and let them know Pomp sent you. All right, now let's get into this episode. all right guys bang bang i'm here with uh, austin we've got his pretty picture up on the screen uh this can be a lot of fun um i'll caveat this with uh we're recording in uh early january of 2020 Austin walked in, uh, and we had a conversation about having Bud Lights, but we have no Bud Lights. We just have water. (laughs) It's
1: 9 in the morning. It's snowing outside. Uh, Yeah, good New York morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, man. I'm super excited about this. Uh, There's a whole bunch to go through. Um, My goal with this episode is to create the seminal podcast episode around crypto tax. It's a huge issue for lots of people, uh, pretty much anyone in the industry. Um, And so let's start with your background, then maybe we'll get into uh, the IR and their tax guidance, kind of how they treat various forms of cryptocurrency and and earnings. And then we can talk uh, about tax, and how you guys are solving that problem and and helping folks. Sound good? Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me out. This is great.
1: Love your big fan of your show and podcast and uh, it's great. Keep rocking it. So yeah, my background, I'm a CPA and I spent a good portion of my career as an early employee at a company called Qualtrics. So they were a rapidly growing SaaS company and led them through a lot of cool things. We were IPOing and then days before IPO and all that work to get ready, we were approached by SAP and acquired for eight billion dollars. So that was a good run there, and it led into what we're doing now and at Taxbit. And so I recognized that there was an enormous problem surrounding cryptocurrency taxes, mm-hmm. and I got into crypto in early 17. Um, I wish I was in earlier than that, but I hit it right before that big bull run. And then 2018 comes along, it's tax season for the 2017 year, and I start doing my own taxes. I'm a CPA, I've always done that, I've done taxes for other people as well. And they started introducing crypto to me as well, just a bunch of CSV files from exchanges. And I'm like, oh, like shit, what do we do? And so before I knew it, like I'm an Excel guy and I had an Excel model that was 15 tabs long, macros all over the place. And it took me weeks and I realized, dang, like if I am doing this on behalf of a client, my hourly rate is gonna be way more than they would ever owe in taxes. It's gonna be tens of thousands of dollars. This is a problem that software has to solve. Mm. And so that's the whole premise on what Taxbit was founded on is automating crypto tax compliance. It is beefy. It is complex on the back end. No one wants to have to worry about it. And so how can we make it simple for the everyday taxpayer? That way they can continue on using cryptocurrency like they want to do and not have to worry about tax reporting.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so as you're going through uh, in the 2017, this was pre the IRS labor. Really putting out like specific guidance. I think they did one guidance in 2014, yep. uh, but there's a lot of questions still around that. Maybe let's start with uh, kind of the guidance that they recently put out. What were the big changes from uh, pre-IRS uh, guidance to today? Yep. And then we can get into the different earning, uh, the different ways that people can earn or, or um, profit from a cryptocurrency.
1: Yep. So in 2014, you nailed it right on. That was the first set of guidance, and it was basically a paragraph long. It said, cryptocurrency is property. Mm -hmm. And so property, that's been around for a long time. Property also consists of equities. Those are properties. Bonds, those are properties. Real estate, that's property. And so you really had to analogize to the guidance of those other areas. And what we did is we analogized most similarly to equities. And then this last October of 2018 or 2019, the IRS finally released a much more beefy detailed set of Mm -hmm. guidance. And that was really nice because it clarified some things that people were analogizing to, but they weren't sure of. Um, So such things are cost basis assignment methods. Do you use first in, first out? What this means is, is once you acquire assets, you're going to have a basis basis in each one of those assets. And then when you dispose of one of them, which one do you take from? Which pool? That greatly affects your taxable gain number. Well, the IRS said, yes, you can use first in, first out. That's the default method. But if you meet these four other criteria, such as proving transaction IDs and blockchain hashes, storing appropriate records, you can now use specific identifications. You can go And pick which lot you want to sell, which is really great for taxpayers because that can reduce your tax liability you can pick your lots with the highest cost basis and dispose of those first
0: okay so there's a ton here right and and as you kind of dig into tax law and tax guidance and all this stuff uh 99 of people just say whoop over my head my accountant handles it but there's some really interesting things that around crypto and and one of the things that you just described uh around this is at first in first out my understanding um and you correct me if i'm wrong is If I buy Bitcoin uh, five times in a year, right, and the price continues to appreciate, so my last purchase is actually the highest price of the Bitcoin that I bought, and then all of a sudden the market turns and starts to fall, but only falls 50% from my last purchase. When I go to sell Bitcoin at the end of the year, let's say I wanna do some tax loss harvesting. Traditionally, people have used first in first out, meaning that you have to go back to the very first time you bought it, and that's your cost basis for that sale. So if you bought one Bitcoin at $2,000, now it's sitting at $2,500. It doesn't matter if you bought Bitcoin at a higher price later on. It's the fact that that first uh, price point, so you actually are going to book a gain. Now what you're saying is well if you had bought Bitcoin at 2000, 2500, 3000 all the way up to $5000, it's now fallen to 2500, you can actually say, no I'm selling my $5000 Bitcoin purchase now and I'm going to book a 50% loss rather than some sort of gain from that first purchase at $2000 huge deal in the tax world because you're actually being able to optimize much more for uh, what one is actually happening so you're being more accurate but also two it changes the profile of what you owe or or what you don't owe um, on on the tax uh, forms.
1: That was a great example you said it right and the one caveat to that is you have to meet the IRS's four criteria in order to specifically identify.
0: Okay what are those?
1: And so it really revolves around record keeping proving on the blockchain and through transaction IDs what you're truly specifically identifying. You can't just put it into Excel and say, oh, I'm choosing this one and this one. When the IRS comes knocking on your door, that won't pass. And so using tax software is the only way I think to meet those four criteria. If you just turn over your records to your, even to your CPA or accountant, they're going to default to FIFO because first in, first out, I'm using an acronym here because that's what is the most conservative and safe. And so tax software, it's very important that they meet those criteria in order to save you tons of money. Cause your example is a great scenario and it's very real mm-hmm. and it's very tangible because you want to keep as much money in your pockets as you can.
0: Yeah. Well, and just the price volatility, right? Anything, any asset that goes up, you know, double digits up or down, uh, in short periods of time, obviously th- there's the potential that people are going to have either really big gains or really big losses. And so being smart about the taxes um, is important. Uh, let's start um, with one of the nuances that I find really fascinating is uh, the kind of wash sales at the end of the year, right? So maybe give us an understanding of what was the uh, history in traditional markets, so let's say yeah. stocks, etc., and how that's changed over time and then where crypto is with that today. Because I think that's like the easiest thing for people to start wrapping their head around yeah. of uh, when they have losses.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And wash sale rules, just to be clear here, this was the one area that the IRS didn't touch on in their new guidance, where a lot of CPAs and attorneys like we have at TaxBit, we were hoping they would. Um, so, in the equity space, the IRS created this thing called wash sales, and that's a 30 day rule. So, if you were to buy Apple stock, the value of that stock tanked, and you're like, hey, I should sell my Apple stock and then harvest that loss and then buy it right back. The IRS says, right after the new year. Right after. Yeah, the IRS says, no, 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 you can't do that. You have to wait a period of 30 days to repurchase that original position that you had in Apple stock in order to take that loss. Well, the guidance on wash sale rules apply to securities right now. And the IRS has said, well, cryptocurrency is property, um, and Bitcoin and some other currencies aren't securities. And so, just kind of doing the process of elimination then wash shell rules don't yet apply to cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. and so what that allows you to do is you can now there's a lot of loss harvesting ability because prices fluctuate so greatly in the cryptocurrency space you can sell or trade your positions in an asset at a loss get the tax loss and then you know, it's up to your risk tolerance. Still, there isn't been clear guidance on this, but you could repurchase your position in that same asset, um, for sure after 30 days, but even within 30 days aggressively right now, because the guidance, um, kind of falls in line with
0: that. And, and, in other markets, uh, before those um, kind of anti-wash uh, sale rules were in place, do they go back and retroactively apply those rules or, or how do the, does the IRS kind of treat, hey, there was a period of time where there was no guidance. We now have guidance. It, like, How do those rules apply?
1: Yeah, it depends on what the IRS. Sometimes they'll do a retrospective guidance release that says, no, this is always ha- how it has been. And then sometimes they'll do a point in time forward. Um, so yeah, we don't know what, the, really what we don't know here. Um, I do know that most people are, they're harvesting losses and they're moving coins in and out of Bitcoin all the time and, and ignoring wash sale rules right now based on Bitcoin being property and not a security. And so we'll see. We'll see. I think that's, that's the other place that's going to evolve with time on what the IRS will come out with. But it's something very good for everyone out there to know is, hey, having a tax software that tracks your basis, not only is important for tax reporting and compliance, but it's important in order to bring money to your pocketbooks to save you money.
0: For sure. And I guess let's now get into the different ways that you could uh, book profits or losses, right? So there's, um, I can buy and sell cryptocurrency right off of an exchange. I can uh, obviously mine uh, certain cryptocurrencies, I can do staking, um, or then I can use uh, derivative products. Uh, and then the last one is I can also earn interest now, right? So, kind of those I think those are the five general ways. I'm sure there's some nuances, but, but let's start with those five. So, uh, how does the IRS currently look at just the buying and selling of crypto on an exchange?
1: Yeah. So, anytime you obtain cryptocurrency, we'll just use a buying right now, that sets your cost basis. That transaction does not get reported to the IRS. At the time of purchase, when you dispose of that cryptocurrency, and this is where I think there's a big misconception in the tax land, disposing of cryptocurrency it entails two things, selling it for fiat currency or trading it for another cryptocurrency. And that's the piece where a lot of people disagree with. There's all these arguments for sure. And the IRS's eyes, they're viewing that as a property for property transaction. If you were to go and trade Apple stock for Microsoft stock directly, that would be taxable too. And so reporting all those coin for coin trades um, is a, are taxable events. And so yeah, once you trade or sell your cryptocurrency at that point, this all goes on IRS form 8949. That's your individual capital gain and loss report. It's the same form that's used for equities and other capital capital assets, you'll put in there's all these columns asset acquisition date disposal date proceeds cost basis and that will determine your gain or loss so that's the buying selling and trading aspect
0: and then you alluded to let's well well, so there's buying there's buying selling and trading Um, as a tangential piece of that there's also um, the ability for me to send right so I'm not selling it for fiat I'm not selling it for another coin but I can let's say uh, I have two cryptocurrency exchange uh, or two wallets and I take it from one account and I send it to another Uh, that's a taxable event in the IRS's eyes or no?
1: Yeah, great question. No, that is not. So if it maintains within your possession, that is not taxable. And that's another reason why tax software is so important. When you get these CSV file dumps from exchanges and hand them to your accountant, they don't know what one was a transfer. There's a lot of tax softwares out there that still don't have that not dialed in. And so detecting which transactions were transfers, sends, receives, and maintaining your cost basis, you don't want to reset your holding period on those those Mm -hmm. transfers, which a lot of people do incorrectly as well. And so that's very important to properly detect those.
0: Okay, and so then the other way that I could send crypto is I'm sending it to an individual or to a business. So I'm basically spending the crypto in exchange for whether it's good services, whatever, yep. uh, taxable event or not.
1: Yep, that's a taxable event. At that right. time, you use property in order to receive a good or service. In the future, this is gonna be a use case that's much more popular than it is today as there's a lot of companies working on making crypto more accessible and as a means of payment. Yeah, so at that time, the fair market value of that cryptocurrency or of the good or service that you received in return will be your proceed amount. And then you'll use specific identification if you're using a tax software like TaxBit in order to pick the cost basis lot with the highest basis to then reduce your taxable um, event at that case.
0: Yeah. And to me, the taxable event when spending cryptocurrency is one of the biggest uh, detractions or obstacles to adoption. Right? It meaning that every time I go to spend this, I've got to pay taxes if it was the sale of property. Um, doesn't really feel like that is going to make it easier or more enticing for people to spend crypto. Um, and so do you, one, do you agree with that? And two, do you feel like that'll get changed over time to yeah. um, kind of allow for more adoption and more spending of the crypto?
1: Yeah. So first of all, do I agree with it? So I am a CPA, but I do not work for the IRS. And so um, I have relationships with some of those folks. They're great. They're hard workers and everything. Um, I, I understand where they're coming from. What they're afraid of is, hey, if we make cryptocurrency tax exempt upon purchasing a good or service, What's going to happen when all of these equity brokers now want to make equities more as means of payment? That doesn't exist today, but I can tell you technologies are being worked on right now to make equity for equity swaps possible. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I see the can of worms that it's opening from the IRS's eyes. Anything that materially fluctuates in value has always been taxable and in their eyes always will be. And so with this new guidance in October that they released, they did clarify that and say, Hey, that it is a taxable event. If you use it to buy something or mm. to receive something. And so I don't foresee that changing. Unfortunately, I do think there might be possibility for some de minimis exemption of, Hey, if my taxable gain or loss was within X amount of dollars, or, or I purchased a cup of coffee, like at what threshold does it become material for them There there might be something along those lines in the future. But right now there's currently not.
0: Got it. Very interesting. Um, okay, so let's let's move on from buy sell trading and sending. Um, there is staking, for example, right? So, so uh, one, how does that work from a tax perspective, and two, how does the IRS treat it?
1: I'm gonna lump staking and mining because from okay. the IRS's eyes, they're yeah, they're identical. And there was guidance just on this as well. And that is you performed an act of work. And once again, I'm speaking from the IRS's eyes, whether or not we agree with this, I get it. I'm going to get a ton of comments that say taxes are hell, they're theft. I I understand. Um, So (laughs) you performed an act of service or work in order to receive something. And so that meets the IRS's definition of income historically. You did a service in order to receive something in return. And so the fair value of the cryptocurrency you received in return for staking or mining is reported as income on your tax return. And so that is important to know because that income is taxed at the highest tax rate. That's the same thing you receive from an employer. They give you your W-2 showing you how much you make. You include it in that top line on your tax return, which is the same thing with staking and mining that income amount then sets your cost basis. So when you dispose of that cryptocurrency, if it appreciates or depreciates in value, you will then have a capital gain and loss at that time. So mining and staking results in two taxable events down the road. The first is income, and then the second is a taxable capital gain or loss. Again, this is still, uh, taxes are intuitively hard to understand, and so software can automate this, and that's again why we were founded, was let's not worry about all the tax reporting obligations. And if I'm reporting things correctly, let's just link up my stuff to my tax bid account and let them automatically track and populate that, and then I can have real-time visibility. I don't need to wait until tax season to see where I'm at for my taxable position. I can monitor that ongoing.
0: For sure. So mining, staking, both treated the same income, uh, regardless of whether it's you as a human doing the work, or let's say it's software or, or a hardware machine. Yep. Um, what about derivatives? Is that treated just the same as it is uh, in the traditional markets, or is there yep. some differences here on the crypto Yeah,
1: exactly. World? And this there's going to be, definitely needs to be more guidance here in the future, but yeah, you're going to see more and more of this on the derivatives side, Margin trading, etc. But yeah, it's still it's consistent right now with the guidance of equities, and so there's no no changes there.
0: Got it. So pre- pretty self-explanatory in terms of if you understand how it works in traditional markets, you're yep. good here. Uh, and then one of my favorites is uh, earning uh, Bitcoin through like interest-bearing accounts, right? Yeah. So uh, everyone knows that we're big investors in uh, in BlockFi and super supportive of them. Um, how uh, how does that work from the IRS's perspective?
1: Yeah. So interest is as well income. You got interest income. There's actually a line on your tax return to interest income. Um, If you do earn interest, it's the same thing as kind of mining. It's pegged to the fair market value at the time you received it. Um, And then you just plop that in onto the interest income line of your tax return. That number then becomes your basis. And then when you subsequently dispose of that interest cryptocurrency, you'll have another capital gain or loss that you'll need to report. Got it. Um,
0: Let's talk a little bit about tax bit, right? So there's a whole bunch of nuance in tax law. Uh, you're a CPA, so yep. you have much more understanding than most. Uh, as people have uh, gone from kind of let's call it pre two thousand and seventeen crypto world where there wasn't a lot of sophistication, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure. now you get uh, more folks coming in that have expertise around legal, you know uh, services, tax uh, accounting, et cetera. There's much more sophistication coming into the market. Um, You saw this as a problem. What was the initial idea to go build? And then kind of what are you guys doing today?
1: Yeah. So yeah, we were founded by a group of three people. And I emphasize this because I think it's so important. And that's CPAs, tax attorneys, and software developers. And we're talking about one of the most scrutinized spaces right now in in the world. Like There's been just so many regulatory eyes on cryptocurrency. And so when you're talking about tax compliance, you have to have that confidence that you're getting attorney and CPA level service and accuracy in what you're doing. And so that's a really powerful... team that really sets us apart is you're going to know that everything that we release has been thoroughly tested by CPAs around the world. And we're constantly facilitating audits with the IRS and different communications with them. And so our software has been beat up very well from the accuracy standpoint. Um, yeah, our, our mission was cryptocurrency is an amazing asset class. There are so many disruptive use cases that the finance sector just hasn't seen in decades, which is really exciting. But there's two main areas holding it back from a regulatory perspective, and that's privacy and security. You've seen that in the news all the time, especially with this Facebook Libra project, et cetera. And then tax compliance at scale. The IRS is just not going to let an asset go under the radar and be tax-free. That just won't happen. And so how we we came into existence in order to automate the tax compliance side, that way the industry can legitimately continue on and cranking out these disruptive projects without worrying about the burden of tax reporting. And so we're doing this at the everyday cryptocurrency user level, but also at the enterprise level, exchanges, merchants, um, businesses, wallets, lending platforms, anyone that facilitates the movement of cryptocurrency, there's a lot of tax reporting obligations that start at at the top. And so we have a great enterprise suite of products as well to facilitate their reporting. Got it. And
0: so let's talk philosophically first. Cause to me, this is the, this is really interesting, right? Is, uh, machines and software are automating lots and lots of, uh, jobs. I think a lot of people think about this in manufacturing and truck driving, that type of stuff. Uh, I tend to think that one of the more underrated areas is white collar jobs, right? right? So accounting, legal, uh, wall street traders, etc. uh, automation, you know, they're not safe, right? It, it, <laughs> the, the machines are coming for them too. Um, and, and so, how do you think about the accountant's job moving forward into the future, right? Can, can it eventually get to the point where uh, an accountant is fully automated away or is it something where maybe the repetitive tasks get uh, automated away and their advice becomes more important? Like just talk to yeah. me about that as like more of a framework for the industry around automation. No,
1: I, there's a reason why you see the big four accounting firms, Deloitte, Ernst Young, KPMG, and PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, they are constantly at the largest cryptocurrency events in the world. They've put significant money behind cryptocurrency infrastructure and departments, um, really, and blockchain. I should, I should not limit this to cryptocurrency, really, blockchain, because blockchain is is essentially an immutable accounting system. It's a ledger that you have all the visibility of the ins and outs and they're verifiable. That's what accountants do. Like we create ledgers, we make sure things balance, we make sure the correct ins come in and the outs come in and we're we're record keepers. And so absolutely the technology here can automate the profession to a large extent and it's super powerful. And in my mind, it's exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so as you think about that for the crypto world, um, you guys specifically from a functionality standpoint, my understanding is you basically hook into uh, different exchanges or service providers and then you pull in all of that data. And this is really a data and automation exercise to uh, calculate here's what you owe, right? But it's not just a final number at the end. Maybe talk a little bit about how the product actually works. uh, And then we can get into some of the prediction software and stuff that you guys have built as well. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, our software, we don't want to put work on the shoulder of a cryptocurrency user or a US taxpayer. So as much as we can automate as possible, that is our goal. And so we connect via API through to almost every exchange out there. We're constantly adding more in order to have a one-time setup for the user. As soon as you connect those API keys, we'll pull in your transaction data automatically going forward. I know what you're thinking. Whoa, security, like custody. What are you, what are you doing? You're crazy. Um, So rest assured, we take best practice approach to professional grade security. We only collect read-only API keys. We do not want trade access or custody access of your assets. We just hired a VP of compliance. who was a former director at Coinbase, the largest exchange in the world. Um, really excited about him. He's, he's making sure that we're a following best practices on GDPR, data security, SOC reporting, and all of that, all the like. So um, it is safe. We have never had a breach or an instance, and we only have your transaction records. We don't have your public keys, your private keys, et cetera. Your private keys, I should say, in order to access those those
0: assets. Got it. And and so... um really the the business model that you guys have is, you as a business go to these exchanges, you basically integrate with the exchange, and then that exchange offers tax software, essentially, to their user base, right? And the reason why that's important is uh, in many cases, if you only have one cryptocurrency exchange account or one wallet account, uh, I don't actually ever necessarily interface with Taxbit, right? I don't have to go create a Taxbit account and and kind of sign up for another service, right? Instead, what I'm doing is I just go into my Coinbase, Gemini, you know, whatever uh, partners you guys have, and through those services, I'm able to uh, just simply go to a tax area and basically pull these records Um, that's a really unique way of doing it because for you guys obviously it can help you get to a lot of users very quickly but also for me as a user it's one less thing for me to keep track of right yeah,
1: this is interesting. You probably just blew a lot of people's minds because this doesn't yet exist in the cryptocurrency space. If you think about equities, you go into your Vanguard, your TD Ameritrade, your Schwab, any of them, there's a tax center tab in your user interface portal. Well, in crypto and on that tab, you have access to your 1099B that shows you your cost basis and your proceeds from all these trades. Well, in the crypto space, that doesn't yet exist. There, The exchanges have been, you know, the IRS, it's taken a lot of time, but they've been issuing 1099 K tax forms, which we'll get into, um, which basically report income to the IRS. Well, cryptocurrency is not income. So this has caused tens of thousands of automated audits um, already. We facilitated tons of them, hundreds, if not close to a thousand now. And so there's been a lot of confusion on that. So yes, we are um, releasing and we're excited, Our, uh, I'll announce it right here. So Uphold, their Bay Area exchange, amazing platform. Check them out if you haven't. Uh, they offer just very ease of use to go in and out of different cryptocurrencies and commodities. So they are precious metals, etc., as well as tons of fiat currency. So it's a really slick platform. But they are um, launching tax center suites um, powered by us. And so all of their U.S. users will be rolling this out to different countries as time progresses. We'll have a tax center tab and they'll have proper 1099-B reporting that tracks cost basis where available and have a really cool suite within the interface. So that is what we're working on doing with other exchanges as well is getting them into compliance with the correct 1099 forms, which in turn help the users from those exchanges, all of us that
0: need better reporting,
1: um, in the exchanges systems themselves.
0: Yeah. And are the exchanges opening themselves up to risk for what they did already? Right. So they basically were per, uh, providing reporting, uh, that was showing it as income rather than, uh, property sales, et cetera. Does that, open them up to some risk or they're
1: already at risk. The IRS is well aware of this. You know, you can imagine here's the story. So we have hundreds of these. We get a taxpayer that comes to us. Hey, I just got audited, got a CP 2000 letters, what it's called from the IRS. And it says, I owe, we had this poor lady from Idaho. She, I owe $80,000. I need to mortgage my house. I, I make 40 K a year. And we're like, oh, calm down. You don't owe $80,000. It's going to be okay. The exchange reported $80,000 as the gross proceeds from all of your transactions, but they failed to report cost basis or even indicate that cost basis exists for these assets, and so as we, because we have tax attorneys and CPAs, we're a one-stop shop. We can facilitate all of these IRS audits. You don't have to go and hire a CPA or an accountant on the side that charges you two hundred dollars an hour to do this. So through communications back and forth with the IRS, this has happened again hundreds of times. Now the IRS has said, "Oh wow, like we shouldn't have ever audited this user in the first place. Um, this wasn't income. We're our systems automatically sending these out. We're just doing a quick lookup of hey." Just like a W 2, did the taxpayer report the number in the income section of their tax return? Well, no, she obviously didn't. And then they're like, well, if this is property, property has cost basis, why aren't the exchanges reporting that? And it is more complex than equities. The reason, one of the reasons that people will constantly say, although this won't abate them, is transfers, transfers on and off exchange. The cost basis might not have originated on the exchange. Well, that problem exists in the equity space too, albeit at a much smaller extent. And there actually is guidance on that, on um, on issuing ten ninety nines when cost basis is lacking, and the IRS still needs to know that these are capital assets. These aren't eBay and Etsy sellers generating income on crypto exchanges,
0: which is currently the misconception right now. Mm-hmm. And and so I guess. As the exchanges get exposed to you know some risk there, um, the best thing they can do now is kind of cure it, right? Is, is if they start actually issuing the correct things. Um, I think the story you're just talking about with this uh, with this woman, she went from hey, I owe eighty thousand to she actually got a check back, you yeah, told me, right? Yeah, she
1: had losses. All of her <laughs> basis and her assets were greater than the proceeds received from disposing of those assets. So that in the end we got her a five hundred bucks back or something and it was a it was a really cool story. And I mean That's la- a that's a pretty big swing. Eighty yeah. owe eighty thousand,
0: get back five hundred bucks. <laughs> the
1: latest one we just last week we had a taxpayer that their ten ninety nine K, the IRS audit letter says, Hey, you have unreported reported income of roughly 20 million dollars (laughs) like are you serious of course like and
0: that's a a big number
1: yeah it's a huge number and this is this is a problem and so (laughs) better reporting we're really spearheading this movement and it's really cool to see these exchanges follow suit because it's going to make life so much better for their users 1099ks they only have gone to users with twenty thousand dollars in gross proceeds and up so these are exchanges most valuable users they're high traders that are being automatically audited. That is not a good user experience.
0: Why are they only sending it to people with $20,000
1: in That's proceeds? the requirement for a 1099K. Is, okay. it's, you hit a $20,000 threshold. Well, unfortunately, guidance for 1099K issuances in the crypto space never was intended to exist in the first place. And so there's just been kind of this precedent that was unintended in the, in the first place. Um, instead of following the precedent that equity brokers set and that's what they should be doing is hey cryptocurrencies property rules for property have been around for decades in addition on the exchange side and on the on the consumer side on the
0: user side mm-hmm. yeah it, it's pretty fascinating um you guys just raised money. Uh, yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, kind of what happened. And then I'd love mm-hmm. to talk about that experience of raising money in yeah. uh, maybe not the, the depths of the bear market anymore, mm-hmm. but, but definitely not in like the hype of 2017. So talk, talk a little bit about what you guys did there.
1: Yeah, so we we just announced a, just over $5 million round of fundraising. And we're really excited about who has teamed up with us. When we went out to go raise money, there was obviously a lot of interest. Um, but it was important for us to get the cream of the crop in two categories. And that's fintech and cryptocurrency, leaders in both those industries. And we were able to do that. And that's really, really cool because it shows the investors see the market size. Cryptocurrency has not been going away, even though prices have been in a little bit of a bear market, at least compared to 17, user adoption has doubled year over year. And so that's really, really cool. We're going to continue to see that. And this is a long-term game. This is still the early innings. Um, But yeah, that fundraising was huge because these people, you know, we're talking about Winklevoss Capital, Valar, TTV, Dragonfly, Collaborative, um, Global Founders, a, a great big round of powerful people with a lot of connections that really want to see cryptocurrency move forward. Well, they recognize if it's Going to move forward, tax compliance and security and privacy. Those two regulatory concerns have to be resolved, and this is the chance to get in on the tax compliance side of things. For sure.
0: How, so, how many investors in the round you think there were nine or ten? Nine or yeah. ten. And um, how many investors do you think you had to talk to to get nine or ten across the uh, the finish line? Oh, I, a I, lot. I, or like, I, t-
1: I talked to a lot of investors, just as learning I wanted yeah. to know I wanted to meet people see what they offered what their thoughts were um so oh yeah talked to hundreds
0: and it was a, it was a great experience really mm-hmm. good people out there what, what did you find in terms of the investor's sentiment of just the industry in general? Was it still, uh, hey, you know, yes, the people that are paying a lot of attention to crypto were excited, but kind of traditional investors were a little skeptical? Uh, are they still excited? Like, what, what was that, uh, those conversations yeah, like?
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's a mix of both. Yeah, you've got some investors that have a strong cryptocurrency thesis to the point where they've launched funds dedicated to blockchain and cryptocurrency startups, and you've got others that should I make my first bet in the space or not and so what's unique about us is we're not a cryptocurrency company and we are really a fintech company that's enabling cryptocurrency adoption on the side and so it's kind of a more risk adverse way to get your feet wet in cryptocurrency without investing in someone that's actually touching assets launching coins and doing more of the traditional use cases surrounding blockchain and cryptocurrency
0: got it and then uh, what are you gonna use the money for
1: Growth. Yeah. So we want to Wait, have, What an answer. Yeah, <laughs> Spoken it, like a true it, CEO. Exactly. Growth. <laughs> Growth. Um, this is a big problem. You probably have heard now the IRS just released a new tax question. It's required to all 175 million U.S. taxpayers. You now, This is unprecedented. You now have to go in and click yes or no. Did you engage in cryptocurrency transactions during the taxable year? Well... <laughs> that alone is going to cause just a ton of education and a ton of need for software. And so being able to scale our product to millions of people, as well as on the enterprise side to build out a comprehensive tax center suite solution for any facilitator of cryptocurrency movement is a str- big development task. So, uh, um, beefing up the developer team to scale the product. We have a lot of cool features on the roadmap that the industry has never seen before because of our pedigree of attorneys and CPAs. There are cool tools that we have in development right now that are going to help taxpayers. That's our goal: help them not only file their taxes. That's easy to do. That's a once-a-year software. That's what TurboTax does. But how mm-hmm. can we save you money throughout the year proactively, where you have a mobile app that you can engage in throughout the year that's giving you recommendations and insights into what you should be doing. Um, so yeah, first of all, that's that the developer side. And then um, we currently are focused on the US right now. We have the US tax code, but expanding that. Cryptocurrency is global, and this is a huge problem all around the world, specifically right now in Asia, um, as well as the UK, you've seen tax authorities be vocal over there. Canada, Australia, their their governments have been in talks with us as well with the Australian commissions. And so, how can we solve this problem outside of the U.S. boundaries?
0: Yeah, and and do you feel like um, there will be more complexity in the future, or do you think that the IRS guidance, um, as they come out with more and more, that can actually uh, streamline this and and make your guys' job maybe not easier but it can actually um you know put you guys in a position to be more helpful to uh, to the consumer.
1: I actually think it's going to get more complex and here's why. Okay, why. I think more guidance will come. I think that's great. But I think the use cases surrounding cryptocurrency, this is just the beginning. Oh, we start to see token-backed real estate where people are receiving rental income in the forms of coins. This already exists to a small extent. It's just starting to proliferate. We start to see cryptocurrency used as means of payment at a wide scale all of these use cases create taxable events. How do you automate those at point of sale? How do you automate those upon investing in real estate? So there's just going to be a splur of use cases where different things have to be thought about of how to report this and how Mm -hmm. to automate it. And so that's where, that's where we're going is we want to
0: handle all of those
1: use cases, not just the limited set that exists now, but where we're going.
0: Got it. Very interesting. Um, when you look out, uh, kind of as what you guys are building, one of the most interesting components, there's two pieces that you guys do that I think is really uh, interesting and and kind of rides trends that I see in other companies. The first is uh, this predictive uh, software, right? So basically the ability for uh, me to go into the software and say, all right, here's, everything from my exchange, right? Or the exchanges that I have an account on, uh, where am I right now? So do I have gains or losses? And then you can actually tell me, well, listen, if right now you sell, you know, a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you'll be able to uh, book a loss on that Bitcoin. And now you will be able to reduce your, uh, your uh, taxable income for this year, et cetera. So the ability to kind of predictively tell me what to do uh, seems really valuable. Um, And I haven't seen too many people doing that. Talk a little bit about like why you guys, built that and how that works. Yeah,
1: so we're building that right now. It's still in beta testing and it's... Oh, uh, did I just screw up? No, it's great. No, we'll announce it to the world. So it, it is something to come. Um, and that's exciting because we're thinking about it in a different way than what's existed on the market today. And yeah, you're right on because cryptocurrency users transact much more frequently than the average equity investor. And that's only going to continue as you start to use cryptocurrency as means of payment. Mm -hmm. You need real-time visibility into what your cost basis is by asset and knowing what your tax implications are of using each asset. And so, yeah, we have a broad vision. I won't spill too much here of what's coming, um, of how to do that in a very innovative way that's going to be beneficial to everyday users.
0: Awesome. I fucked up. My no, bad. you did This is exciting. <laughs> and just know where we're
1: going because yeah, what you, if you sign up for TaxBit right now, um, we're constantly iterating and releasing things. So it's important for you people to know that this is not going to be a once a year tax filing tool for you to use. This is something you're going to want to use throughout the year as we continue to add these value add features and functionality.
0: For sure. Um, and then the other thing that you guys do, uh, which I've now seen, uh, folks like river financial, et cetera, start to add, uh, is live support. Right. Yeah. So the ability for uh, I think most tech companies historically have said, look, uh, if you want to use our product, great. There's no number to call. Uh, there's no email. We basically build out kind of automated decision trees online or like a frequently asked questions uh, section or something like that. But that's basically all the support you get and you're on your own. So go Google it. Go find you know answers on Reddit or something like that you guys take a different approach and you say that you've got these experts uh, and that live support's there. Like how does that live support work and and why spend the time, money and resources (laughs) to build that out?
1: Yeah, we have a great support team and you're exactly right. This has been a big decision for us and the reason being is Taxes suck. Like, let's just be honest, <laughs> let's be honest. Here. I should
0: title the episode: like, <laughs> it, it, and it, the, it, dispelling the rumors around when, ta- why taxes when, suck.
1: When you need a master's degree, and then you need to go work for one of the big four accounting firms, and then you, in order to become an expert in an area, and all U.S. persons have to understand this, like that's not intuitive, mm-hmm. people instinctively they're going to have questions and you we, you want a place to have those questions answered it's great to trust the experts a lot of people do and just plug in stuff they don't ask questions and it is accurate and that works but other people they want to understand what's going on and that's natural and so we want to be able to support that and answer those questions help people out engage in the community we are we attend all the largest cryptocurrency events that way we can get to know people and help people with, with what their specific use cases are
0: yeah it, it, um, it feels like uh, there's a humanization of a company when you can call and talk to somebody, Yeah. right? Um, it's not cheap either, though. No, it's not. And the other thing, too,
1: is we're not going to give you the disclaimer that this is not tax advice, consult, <laughs> you're a CPA or attorney. We are CPAs. We are attorneys. And so, um, absolutely, when, it, when it's in our realm to do so, we can give advice that that is authoritative.
0: Yeah, I uh. <laughs> That's my dream is to be able to say uh, this is tax advice, right? By the way, nothing on this podcast is tax advice, but
1: (laughs) nothing on here is,
0: (laughs) but if you want, go to uh, a tax and and you can call up a, uh, a live expert and uh, that's what I should do. I should actually do a, uh, like a live stream on Twitter. I should call up the uh, live experts and, uh, and test them out and just give them like some crazy, uh, you know, scenario and see what they do. Yeah. We'll have to think about doing a live Q and a one day. That
1: could be a shit show. Who knows? It could be fun. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there, there's a lot of questions out there our support team you can go in and chat into go to taxbit.com and a the little chat icon and we're uh we're available to answer yeah questions. And,
0: and as much as i joke around about the tax issues like th- there's some really big horror stories out there everyone's read you know on whether it's twitter reddit etc where you know somebody bought cryptocurrency it went up by a bunch of uh you know in value they uh sold it they went and spent the money and then all of a sudden, here comes the tax bill, yep. and the tax bill is you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes even millions of dollars, and they're sitting there like, I don't have the money now, yeah. right? Or even worse is, hey, I bought Bitcoin, it went up, I sold it for something, then I bought Bitcoin back, now it went down in value, and so I didn't necessarily spend the money, but what I'm going to get taxed at is nowhere near what it's worth today, and so even if I sell my Bitcoin, I can't pay, like really, really scary scenarios for some of these people.
1: It's it's a problem. And there's actually a name in the IRS guidance. It's called wherewithal to pay issue, meaning you have a tax bill and you have no liquid assets to cover that tax bill. And it can happen in cryptocurrency because of the nature of coin for coin trades being taxable. So you're swapping coins around all the time and you could be incurring gains. And then come tax season, the value of those coins have dipped and all of a sudden you've got gains you've got to cover and you have no assets that are worth that amount.
0: What what happens in those scenarios? (laughs) Yeah.
1: it's a problem and so there isn't a good answer you still owe the money from the irs's eyes um whether or not there's a couple of options you can try and do some sort of settlement with the irs they i know they've gotten some loan programs and other things um not a great option there's interest and other things that in the setup processes that go along with that um and then there are cryptocurrency lending platforms. You can go get asset-backed loans right now in the cryptocurrency space. Um, I know you're affiliated with one. I won't say names here. Uh, we're uh, we're looking to partner with one in the in the in the coming um, future, where it'll be a full integration service to make it super easy for people, if that is their case, to get a crypto-backed loan
0: and be able to have a method to cover their tax bill. Very cool. Um- you guys are based in Salt Lake City. We are, yeah. Why? <laughs> it's a great question. By the way, you're the second founder named Austin that's based in Salt Lake City. I think. Amazing. I think Lambda School. Uh, Lambda, yeah, is is based there, or at least has a big uh, presence yep, big there presence in uh, Utah. Yeah, in Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, I, I know Lambda what, well. And what's
0: going on with uh, Salt Lake? Salt
1: Lake is booming right now on the on the SaaS tech side. And Why? So, uh, really, there's great sales and marketing talent um, there. Uh, Just the culture of Utah, it's a sales culture, but the influx of tech companies over the last 15 years, Qualtrics paved a great movement. That was a large acquisition that brought a lot of talent in-house. So the developer side, we are starting to see a hub and then a lot of schools, Lambda, et cetera, that have great computer science programs. So people are being more naturally grown now, as well as an influx of -of out-of-state people joining. It is a great place to live. You talk about cost of Capital and how far the dollar goes. Salt Lake is at the top as far as quality of life goes. What you can buy with the dollar, um, and then the outdoor life—skiing and snowboarding—and summertime. You've got great hikes and the mountains right there. And so people, you know, have really enjoyed it. And we're seeing a big shift.
0: Yeah. It's um, it's fascinating to me how you know one, two, three companies either they start somewhere. There's acquisitions. Um, you kind of start that uh, that cycle, right? Where uh, there's employees at a company. There's an acquisition. There's a capital windfall. That capital then gets uh, invested into. Uh, those founders or those employees becoming founders and starting companies, or they start to invest in other uh, companies, et cetera. And once that kind of flywheel starts, um, very quickly, you can go from, Hey, there was no tech at all to, Hey, there's exactly. a burgeoning, uh, uh, you know, kind of ecosystem here.
1: Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think that'd be really rewarding as one of those founders of the companies that paved the way, the Qualtrics, the domos, the plural sites, there's a ton of them now, um, to see their legacy last even beyond what they did, but the people that they were able to bring up and have gone on to do great. Things and you know, I'm a product of that, so
0: it's cool for sure. Uh, I got a curveball for you. Oh man, um, if we digitize the dollar, tokenize the dollar, yeah. right? There's talk of that going on. Uh, do you think that changes the way that the IRS thinks about uh crypto assets, right? If yeah. you know, you think about bitcoin as property, if I go to spend yeah. it, all of a sudden there's a taxable event, yeah. Well, if the dollar itself is quote unquote tokenized. Yeah can they keep separate tax guidance yeah. for something that uses the same technology?
1: Yeah. I, I think that would change things. In yeah. addition, even if it didn't change things, assume it's still property. If it truly is pegged to the dollar, it, your in and outs of that is, are not going to be taxable. I mean, you're not going to have gains and losses. Your cost basis was a dollar and your disposal mm-hmm. value was a dollar in all scenarios. Getting into that token, whether or not you use Bitcoin or some other altcoin to go into into that, those will remain taxable. Anything that fluctuates in value, but when things don't fluctuate in ra- value, yes, there is a precedent of not making, not dinging you on that. Yeah, it's
0: pretty, uh, <laughs> unless pretty, you
1: earn it. If you earn the, the digital dollar, of course, that will be income and et yeah. cetera.
0: Well, I mean, and, and I guess that leads to the question of like employers, right? If they wanted to start paying people in uh, cryptocurrency because they have to do with holdings and things like that. Um, you know, it can get quite complex for We're working with quickly. someone that does this.
1: They do all their payroll in crypto. It's fascinating. And so, yeah, yeah. there's
0: a lot of reporting nuances there. Mm-hmm. And, and in that case, I'm assuming at some point you guys will be able to help them, uh, in, in terms of not only at the company level, but also, uh, the employees themselves to exactly to calculate and stuff. Yeah. That's exactly right. What, um, what, what's your biggest concern when it comes to taxes? Like if I said to you, you know, What's the one message you want to tell folks uh, as they think about taxes, IRS, crypto? Mm -hmm. uh, What's kind of that resounding message? Yeah, I think
1: the biggest misconception that the industry has really, and this has changed over time, but from the early days to now, is cryptocurrency is untraceable, it's (laughs) decentralized, it's hidden. To an extent, yes, much more so than traditional fiat currency. But the IRS is serious this year. And once again, I don't work for them. I'm not endorsing them. Our software actually has helped people most of the time receive money from the IRS. That's what's ironic about this is we're, we're making people money because of the nature of cryptocurrency prices have gone down recently. Um, so this new tax question, it's serious. So just don't check the no box. I did not engage in cryptocurrency because that now gives the IRS record that it was intentful to see. And so mm-hmm. in the past, you were able to sometimes prove for, through an audit, you plead ignorance, even though if you might not have been ignorant, but there's no way to prove that. Now there is. You have a record that's showing how you answered that question. And at that point, penalties... Be- become more than monetary and we just don't want to see that and so yeah answer that question truthfully because they are scaling up their departments they're investing a ton in resources to scan the blockchain they're going to get 1099s from exchanges Mm -hmm. and other platforms and so yeah identity information um just has to be around in order for this industry to progress mainstream and i mean real
0: mainstream fortune 500 adoption etc and and really i guess what that does when you say like non-monetary like it becomes like true crimes right yes. it, it, i g- don't
1: want to say it because i don't i hate throwing that word yeah, yeah, out yeah. there but but, but yeah. it but it's
0: important right it's important to have an yeah. honest conversation yeah. around like look um there's a lot of people i think in crypto just given the ethos and kind of the more libertarian yeah. uh bents etc who they don't like taxes they don't like exactly. the government right uh, it, it's not a secret um but at the end of the day, right, the way that I've talked to a lot of folks uh, who work for companies we've invested in, et cetera, is like, look, the rules are the rules whether you like them or not. And so, um, you know, pay the taxes that you owe, and in many cases, you as an individual that, you know, an employee at a company or an investor, uh, you're not an expert in tax law, right? You're not an expert in uh, tax guidance, et cetera. And so go work with experts, whether that's through uh, TaxBit and kind of the software you guys provide and can kind of automate this stuff, or even just your local CPA that does your other taxes. Like, they can only operate with the input you give them. Like, that like that, yeah. to me is the, the thing that always has uh, cracked me up, right? It's like, well, uh, my accountant messed up. Like no, if you don't give the information to the accountant, yeah. or you or you don't hook up all your exchanges yeah. to Taxbit, etc., they can't, yeah. you know, they can't read your mind. Yeah,
1: it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing with Taxbit. Yeah, if you fail to connect an exchange, like your data, will will identify cost basis issues and flag them to you. But yeah, there there's your the information is only as accurate as what is what's provided for sure.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, all right, before we wrap up, I got rapid fire for you. Rapid what uh, fire. what's the most important company in crypto other than Taxbit?
1: <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of them out there. If you look at, there was an article published just the other day, actually, about the future of exchanges. And we have seen some consolidation already happening with some different exchanges shutting down and other acquisitions happening. But they mentioned three things. And exchanges in the future are going to be able to offer your traditional buy, sells, and trades, which already mm-hmm. happened. But they're also going to be a hub for earning interest so actually uh, providing interest value to the to the users um i make four things and then the third thing was a means of payment they will be able to provide a card that you can go and actually use your assets and it's not just an investment vehicle and then the fourth thing which is in the article is automated tax compliance and that's where we come in is once you have all these things operating under one house how can you then facilitate the correct reporting and compliance mm-hmm. and that company, there are companies that are striving towards that, but it doesn't exist yet. And so when all four of those things are in one house, I think it's going to be a super powerful platform that's going to disrupt the industry. So I'm going to defer this question to next year, because I think we're going to see a lot of innovation in the next 12 months of, of people working on uh, on achieving those four objectives. I'm dealing with a
0: politician here. He didn't yes. even answer. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'll let you off the hook. Fine. Uh, what's the, uh, because of the, the industry that or part of the industry that you operate in what's the uh, one law or regulation that you would change if you could
1: yeah i would like to once again i want to see cryptocurrency go mainstream and so i'm going to focus on the tax side of here it would be great if hey when i went to my little coffee shop down the road and used cryptocurrency if there was a small de minimis exemption like i am taxpayer favorable here those those transactions buying a cup of coffee even if it's every day just aren't going to be material um taxpayer revenue and how, so,
0: how much of uh de minimis kind of exemption
1: do Dude, I, I'll start small here because if I throw out a big number, it's never going to happen. Like, yeah. let's just go for even twenty five dollars, like my cup of coffee, my everyday like small purchases. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I say five hundred dollars, then that people won't take it seriously. At least so you think five
0: hundred is on the higher end, twenty five. dollars Once again, lower, there,
1: yeah. this exemption doesn't exist in the traditional equity space, so it's something new. And and then how? And then you still have a reporting problem though, because then you'd have to prove that it was de minimis. You still need a tax software to calculate the transaction. You just wouldn't. Report it. So, yeah, it it's a problem. But I want I want to see um, the community with regulators work together to get to a spot where uh, we're not spurring innovative projects and things that can really disrupt the financial technology
0: sector. For sure. Uh, what's your most controversial thought? What do you believe that everyone else is going to tweet at you and tell you you're an idiot for <laughs>
1: well, I already said one thing that cryptocurrency is anonymous and decentralized. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of no, I'll never pay my taxes. Fuck you. I have heard it all. And once again, I'm not the bad guy here. I'm just providing a tool in order for you to, if you want to comply, easily comply because doing so through a traditional means is not user-friendly and it's not affordable paying someone to
0: go run your, run your records for you. For sure. Um, aliens, Aliens. Believer? Oh man! Actually, before we talk about aliens, what's your favorite book?
1: Favorite book? Most important book? Man, I. So I'm a. I'm a sports guy, and this is. This is what sport? Old. I love NFL and the and the MLB. I love baseball. I love the NBA too. So all right, what teams? Uh, I'm from Seattle. I'm a Seahawks guy. All right, they, they're in the playoffs right now. Big game. They against. won. They won this weekend Yeah, they won. Yep, exactly. Um, so a big Seahawks fan but then this is weird I'm a Yankee guy. So Oh
0: that's you're welcome here. <laughs> and
1: the reason being is I yeah I played baseball growing up and was a huge Derek Jeter fan like to obsession and so my favorite book he wrote a book in the early 90s it's called Derek Jeter the life you imagine. I read that as a teenager must like 10 times cuz Derek Jeter when you're living in New York going through all the press and in the scrutiny of all of that and he handled it just with super class um, the Yankee way. The Yankee way exactly. So that, that book is definitely have been an impression on me for decades now.
0: What, what about uh, A-Rod? He, he uh, came through uh, Seattle, right? Yeah,
1: I went to many Mariner games, him and Ichiro in the back in the days. I, I love, love the old the Mariner team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and then what about Marshawn Lynch uh, coming back to the Seahawks? Beast mode!
1: <laughs> love it. I, I, I was actually at the, the Seahawks 49er game the last game of the season when he scored. Skittles were being thrown out in the crowd everywhere. Guy is crazy. I love his energy.
0: And it, yeah, definitely uh, a fan. He's probably one of my uh, favorite. Favorite players in the NFL, just because you can tell he's enjoying playing. He, he loves like he, he doesn't yeah. take it for uh, yeah. for granted.
1: And the things that he does in the community in Oakland and Seattle,
0: it's just it's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. All right, uh so Derek Jeter's book is uh is, is that, the that was it. best
1: one. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's it's an uncommon book, but
0: yeah, I I read a book. Maybe it is the same book. Uh, I think he wrote it, and it's all about him growing up in Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo uh, Michigan. Michigan, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. it—the life With you imagine. And it's stuff. old
1: now, yeah. It's a good, it's a cool story of someone that just, you know, worked their way through. He wasn't given anything; he earned it, and he practiced hard. Man, that guy had a work ethic.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, aliens—believer, aliens. non-believer.
1: I mean, there's tons of definitions of aliens. If we're talking about life beyond Earth, absolutely, I'm Why? a believer. I mean, this universe is massive none of the human mind can comprehend how big it is and so you're telling me that there's tons of galaxies infinite amount of planets and that um we're just the one one thing that exists so like, right
0: before we started recording uh there's an article that's published on cnn that said they're hearing <laughs> radio waves uh high high intensity very frequent radio waves and Forget about whether that means aliens or not. The thing that I took away that was uh, interesting um, and, frankly, just mind-bending is it's coming from uh, 36 billion (laughs) miles away, right? So, like, forget anything other than just a billion miles, like one billion miles. When you think about that number, that's really far. Times yeah. 36. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's just the first of it. Like, that's what we well, that's can Well,
0: That's just where they think the radio waves that's are coming from. That's
1: unbelievable. Yeah.
0: It's fascinating what technology can do right now. Yeah. The, uh, the other stat that I'm going to keep saying is uh, uh, quizzing people on. How many planets do you think scientists uh, estimate are out there for every one grain of sand on Earth?
1: You have an answer to this. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I, I'm going to go with a million.
0: Ooh, well, you're much more ambitious. 10,000. Uh, uh, 10,000,
1: 10, okay. 10,000
0: yeah. 10, planets for every one grain of sand on Earth.
1: Yeah. A hundred years from now, that might, a million might be correct. That's just what yeah. scientists believe uh, right now.
0: Uh, well, a million for every one grain of sand, or <laughs> for sure that we're probably getting close. So it's 10 to the 22nd. Yep. Is uh, is the number of planets, which I can't do that math. I'm in my a numbers head. guy.
1: I love this stuff. Yeah, this is making minds think. This is good. We were joking actually before the show. Hey, when the on the alien topic, Satoshi Nakamoto, like alien, like maybe, <laughs> maybe Bitcoin came from another planet and it was being like, who knows?
0: <laughs> I uh, the other one that I'm now fascinated with is uh, how big the ocean actually is. Oh, so they're man. discovering life at the depths of the ocean and uh, in the weirdest places. Like they can literally find life at nuclear power plants.
1: See, I love this topic. Even maybe even more than space, because space is uncomprehendable. The ocean, you can actually comprehend. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but it's crazy though that they're still finding new stuff. I've heard the same thing.
0: Joe, we got listen, man. Joe's in the (laughs) room. He's over there puncturing on the uh, on the iPad. We got to get the. I think it's a Brazilian billionaire who. uh, has a capsule, and he keeps going to the depths of every ocean, I think he's gone to three of them so far, I forget his name, uh, we gotta get him on the podcast because he's just this rich dude who's fascinated with the ocean, he's like, look, everyone wants to go up, I wanna go down, <laughs> Right. and he's built a single man, underwater, like basically submarine, that he goes in himself, and he keeps going to, I think he went to the bottom of the Indian Ocean, yes. and another, Wow. and you're like, look man, that you're not only like putting your money where your mouth is, you're, You're going life. in, right? <laughs> so we we got to get him on here cuz he'd be fascinating yeah, to talk to. Yeah, that's you. awesome. Um all right, before I let you go, you get one question for me. What do you got?
1: Pump. This is on the spot. I haven't pre-planned this. Um what is your company to watch for in 2020 in the cryptocurrency space? Oh, Who, tax bit, obviously.
0: I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> um other no, than us. I I uh so I always cheat when I asked this question. Yeah. Uh I always answer Bitcoin um as the most important, the one to watch, all the stuff yeah. and and Yes, I understand it's not a company, but to me, uh, it is the flag for everything else, right? If Bitcoin is successful, everything else will be successful. I, I look at the opposite of that. Let's say that Bitcoin actually failed, whether it was a self-induced uh, failure, meaning that there was some kind of bug or you know, whatever in the code, um, whether it was a nation state acting against it, whatever happened, if Bitcoin failed, I do question what would happen to everything else. I don't think it would be immediately everything else would fail, but I do think that that could potentially be such a fatal. Uh, you know, kind of event for the industry that it would be really, really hard to recover for and uh, recover from. And so for me, it's like, what's the thing to watch? It's like on mitigating downside risk, Bitcoin succeeding is something to watch for, right? And, and kind of cheer on. Uh, but then on the upside also, um, I actually wrote about it today in, uh, in the off the chain newsletter is uh, there's a lot of global instability going on right now, right? So you've got, um, if, let me, if I remember everything I wrote. So uh, first you've got, uh, the United States engaged in two combat wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yep. You've got a third one potentially with Iran looming on kind of the horizon. You've got the trade war with China going on. You've got, you know, absolutely crippling economic sanctions against countries like Venezuela, North Korea, Iran, etc. Then you look out and you see things like uh, the United States president is under impeachment right now. Right. And so all that's going on. Um, you've got... Uh, incredible divisiveness just in politics in general uh you've got a stock market and other assets that are at all-time highs and so just naturally they return back to the average at some point whether it's short term or long term and then you look at these like kind of random events that keep popping up that uh here in the united states people i don't think really comprehend how bad they are but just take fires so the amazon fires Then you've got australia right now i just saw uh they say one billion animals they believe have lost life right like a billion animals yeah, Incr- incredible devastating right? what's happening over and, there and, yeah. and so uh, if you look at like the uh the satellite view of australia like the the entire continent's on fire right um and, and so when you look at this stuff you're like look there's just a lot of instability uh, uncertainty risk etc in that scenario i think historically gold has been a great kind of chaos hedge or, or, or uh, insurance i think bitcoin now has stepped into and starting to serve as, as that uh, role as well and so I don't want to encourage any of that stuff to continue, right? Like I actually am in the opposite camp. Like I would give up all of the benefits of Bitcoin being successful. If we could preserve human life, animal life, no, you know, absolutely. peace on earth, uh, economic, you know, prosperity, all these kind of things. But, in the case where you, I, and most other people can't affect that stuff, one of the great hedges is Bitcoin, right, um, and gold and, and other things. And so I think that's like a narrative to watch is just um, the feeling of uncertainty and risk, even if it's not true, right? We actually live today in the most prosperous time in history, right? The safest time, you know, all this kind of stuff. But because of the uh, prevalence and access to information, you know 20 years ago people might not know that the fires and i show are going on <laughs> but the feeling of like holy shit like a continent's yeah. on fire right global warming and everyone starts yeah, like getting exactly. all this anxiety i think that translates into economic markets and so what you see is you see people succumbing to fear and greed and, and all this kind of stuff uh and so whenever that happens you get volatility in markets bitcoin becomes pretty interesting Right. That's a
1: great answer. He nailed it. Yeah. Pop himself. I, I think too much about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly I, I exactly I sit and
0: like what what's the next uh what's the next shoe to fall? <laughs> so all right man, where can uh where can people find uh you on the internet and also uh, TaxBit?
1: Yep. So yeah, go to taxbit.com backslash invite backslash pomp. Oh yeah.
0: We got the, uh, yeah, we got the URL. Yeah.
1: You can get a 10% discount actually pomp referral. Um, and yeah, we can get started and help you out. Um, and we're, we're here for you. We got support for you whenever you need and, uh, really just take that tax complexity off your shoulders
0: for sure. And then what about you on the internet? Are you, are you out there?
1: <laughs> I'm becoming more out there. Yeah. So All follow right. us, follow Taxbit on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, Austin Woodward, um, and yeah,
0: become I'm be getting out there more. You you have an I. I've seen Austin from Lambda has an E. So A U S T I N versus A U S T E N. Yes, exactly. Is that a thing in the Austin world? Like, do you guys meet each other and you're like, oh, I'm an I. You're an E. It is a thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It is. Well, did exactly. you ever ask your parents why they went with I? I didn't. No. Oh. All right. Next time yeah. you come on, we're gonna get uh yeah, we're, gonna, sure. we're gonna get to the bottom <laughs> of the the I in Austin. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you guys are uh, one of the newest sponsors of the podcast too. So, yes. So uh, we're yeah. super excited about that and. And hopefully we can drive tons of people to go be in compliance and actually pay their taxes.
1: Yeah. And probably get a tax refund. Let's be honest here. So (laughs) help people save money.
0: Yeah. It's uh, always a good business model if you can help people uh, save money. So, all right, man, listen, thank you so much for coming to do this and uh, we'll have to do it again. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Pleasure.
0: Hey everyone. Pop here.